Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. All right, so we are on week number two of our series called Identity Theft. If you don't know, uh, identity theft is one of the fastest growing crimes in the world. You know how it works. An individual backroom crime syndicate gains uh, access to your information. And once they are you, uh, they have access to your accounts. They can open up utilities. Uh, They can open up credit cards. They can take out loans. They can even claim your income tax returns. In a recent two-year span, there were over 30 million victims of identity theft, costing consumers well over $25 billion. Even possibly more disheartening, out of that 30 million cases, only one in 700 typically results in some type of conviction. Now, while these numbers are staggering, there is an even more uh, staggering, even a more concerning form of identity theft that really doesn't affect some 30 million, but actually affects the 7.53 billion people who walk the planet. It's even worse than that. Not only does it affect the current people on the planet, it affects every person who has been on the planet, is on the planet, and will be on the planet, past present and future. It is identity theft on a massive scale. And we said last week, it's a spiritual identity theft of sorts, where we are losing our true sense of self. We are losing our God-given identity. We are forfeiting who we have been created to be. It is identity theft of the worst kind, losing myself as a unique individual that God created. Scripture tells us that not only were we created by God, but that we were in fact created in the image of God, that you, regardless of your spiritual uh, ideas or where you land on issues of faith, you today are an image bearer of your creator. Now to this truth, the psalmist writes this, Psalm 139. It says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. See, I think children have an innate understanding of this passage. They naturally understand that they are created somewhat unique and somewhat special, that they are marked with with unique prints and personality and potential and purpose. I've never met a child who could not walk through the aisle of any store dressed as a princess or a Spider-Man and not feel like they are either queen of the world or the greatest superhero of the world. They just have this in them, like, yes, why wouldn't I? I'm something special and quite unique. But as is with everything in creation, there are forces working against God's good creation to bring about chaos. And so with time, I think we lose that idea because we lose our identity. We lose our God-given identity that we are quite unique, fearfully, wonderfully made, that we, that we are a, a, a masterpiece creation of God. Now, Uh, We live in a fallen world, and so uh, the attack continues to come against us. It is never ceasing. There are forces who look to steal what God has created for his glory and for our pleasure and to, to turn it into something fragmented and polluted. Forces working against what God has originally intended. In other words, there are forces working to keep you from being the real you, from being the me that God wants me to be. Last week we said there are many forms of identity thieves. We said negative opinion of others is 
uh, one of those thieves that will come creeping around. Things that people have said to you or about you. Words parents, friends, teachers spoke over you or spoke into you. Crushing things that smother us and, and, and steal our identity. We said toxic thoughts. The thoughts that say that we must earn God's acceptance or that you don't matter or you are what you've done or that the past will always repeat itself. We said uh, last week we looked at this idea of an image-obsessed culture. We said culture can steal our identity, especially in an image-obsessed culture, that we receive in upwards of 50 messages a day of, of what we should look like, how much we should weigh, what we should wear, what our lives should be, and, and that this is the culture that we're in. I, last week's message was titled Mugged by the Mirror, that, that our identity is actually sucked out of us as we look at ourselves in the mirror because something just doesn't measure up. Something doesn't look right. Now listen, I realized that my message last week about image did not land with all of you, especially if you're a dude, right? Because let's be honest, there are some guys in here and you just don't care about your image, right? You think that beer bellies, man boobs, and back hair is sexy. And so you're like, last week did not apply to you at all. So I get it, I get it, I get it. So I'm going to cast the net a little wider uh, in a message that I've titled, Picked Off by the Past. I think it will speak to you today. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we're going to uh, dive pretty deep into uh, some uh, uh, ideas today that really we need to deal with if we're going to reclaim uh, our identity and what you and who you have created us to be. And so um, would you give us ears to hear um, more than hear me, that we would hear you, Holy Spirit, speaking to us. And so um, make us sharp today. Give us understanding. Give us hope that we can move past the past and step into a favorable future that you have for us. And so, Holy Spirit, you're invited to rest upon us as we study your word. Be with us through our offering as we worship even through our giving, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's, let's kind of jump into this uh, as we're going to talk about the past. Let's begin with some common assumptions, shall we? Here, here's some common assumptions. Can we agree that everyone has a past? If you're drawing breath, you have a past. Even when you stop drawing breath, you will still have a past because your past will live on with the people in the present because we do not live our lives in a vacuum that our lives continue to carry on. The effects of who we were continue to carry on. We're going to unpack that a little bit, but let, let me give you another assumption, if hopefully we can agree on, that there are portions of our past that are painful. Hopefully we can agree on these two. If, we, if we're already can't agree, it's going to be a long Sunday for you, all right? So, so can we agree that everyone has a past, and can we agree that there are portions of our past that are painful because we live in a fallen world that at times our past can be painful. Now, some of those chapters of pain rest on me, right? I sabotaged myself. In other words, I said it, I did it, I bought it when I couldn't afford it, I dated it, I slept with it, I smoked it. You can fill in the blank whatever you want to do, and it led me to a place that today I regret. That's on me, right? I, I, some of those chapters... I did. I have to take responsibility for my mishaps and my mistakes. Well, let's call it what it is. The Bible says it's sin. Sin is simply missing the mark of God's perfection. God says, here, here, here is what life should look like on a bullseye. And when we miss it, it's known as a sin. And we all 
sin. And some of the painful portions of my past rest primarily on me. But, but, this is where we're going here. There are also tra- tragic chapters in my life that I did not write. There are some chapters in your life that you did not write. In other words, it's nothing that you did. It was what was done to you. You're, you're, you're kind of innocent in all of it. It, it, it. And this is part of what we're going to unpack today about being picked off by our past. But let me give you one more assumption. Not all of the past stays in the past. Can we agree on that? Can we agree that everyone has a past, right? All of us. And there are portions of our past that are painful, some self-inflicted, some others inflicted. And then can we agree that not all of the past stays in the past, that the past has the potential to step into the present and pick off our future, to rob my identity, to see myself primarily through the lens of what I've done or what was done to me. So before we move on, I I need us to to, to understand this. Let's be in agreement on this point. In a fallen world, everybody has a past that is both fallen, painful, and at times reoccurring. I think we can agree on that, that the past likes to kind of regurgitate itself, right? In a fallen world, everybody has a past that is both fallen, painful, and at times reoccurring. Now, this is not a religious statement. This is just kind of, right, this is just an observation of life, right? We, we live in a fallen world. So you don't have to be a Christian to understand we live in a fallen world. Just look at the world around you. You can be a Christian, atheist, agnostic, humanist, scientist. We, we can all agree that something isn't quite right. The world is full of mistakes and mishaps and disaster and evil that we cannot predict and sometimes evil that we cannot even explain, that the world has fallen. And because we live in a fallen world, this means that everybody has a past. We've done things. And it means our past has fallen and painful. And at times, it is even reoccurring. Now, the, the Scripture happens to agree with this idea of a fallen world. And it, it says, it talks extensively about uh, this fallen world and not being as it was originally created. But this leaves you and I and the rest of humanity with a big problem. And it looks something like this. Because it is a, there is a fallen world, we sin or we make mistakes, mishaps, right? Bad decisions. And those mistakes, my sin, is passed on. In other words, I uh, feel the effects of my sin. I own it. I did it. It is what it is. It's my problem. And there will be the consequences of that sin. All right, that, that part I'm okay with. But this is where the tension lies is that sometimes it's the mistake or dysfunctions of someone else that is passed on, and I suffer as a result of their sin. You see, it it would be one thing if if it was me, okay? I, I can get it. But the tension is that sometimes... Our past keeps coming to the present, not because of what I did, not because of what you did, but, but because I am now, I, I, I've had the effects of someone else's sin, I've had the effects of someone else's dysfunction, and they've landed on me, and now I, I have to deal with their dysfunction, with their sin, because life isn't lived in a vacuum. Because our sin, our dysfunction, affects other people. It would be one thing if I could do as I please, and it only affects me, but we know that doesn't happen. It always seeps out. Containment is always lost, and it lands on people closest to us. In a fallen world, my sin, my mistakes have consequences that go beyond me. That means there are times that my fallen nature lands on someone close to me, and when that happens, 
It's not their fault. When someone's fallen nature landed upon you, whatever that means, you know there's something in your mind, right? Whenever someone's fallen nature landed on you, that's not your fault. If you grew up in an abusive home, that's not your fault. It was someone's dysfunction, someone's sin that fell upon you, and unfortunately, you had that their sin, their mistakes, their dysfunction passed on, and you suffered the effect of their sin. That's not your fault. Past relationships, maybe that were verbally, emotionally, or physically abusive, that's not your fault. Living with a parent or a spouse who is an alcoholic and all that goes with it, that's not necessarily your fault, right? I mean, there's enabling things, but just on, on the basics of that, that's not your fault. Their dysfunction landed upon you. Maybe you were raised in a, in a religious system of, uh, 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 that was very legalistic, and you grew up with, with all that type of dysfunction. That's not on you. It was dumped upon you. Someone else's sin, someone else's dysfunction was placed upon you. It could even be a part of the country that you grew up in or the neighborhood that you called home, certain crime and activities that went on, that, that the dysfunction, the sin of other people were placed upon you, and you suffered the effect of someone else's sin fallen world. There are sin and mistakes. Sometimes it's my own. Other times it's passed on the effects of someone else. But it gets worse. It gets even worse than this, or at least has the potential to get worse. Because sometimes we find ourselves engaging in the very activity that we hate. See, sometimes it's the sin of someone else, the dysfunction of someone else. We're in a fallen world. Their dysfunction is passed on to us. And sometimes we actually begin to step into the very thing that we hate, the very activity that we despise. And this, this is our struggle. This, this, is, this is our tension. Children raised in an alcoholic home, we know that they have a greater uh, 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 probability to abuse alcohol. That's just, th this is what we're talking about. A fallen world, someone's sin is passed on, and sometimes we engage in the very activity that we hate and that we despise. Workaholic parents, uh, you can pass on your never-can-do-enough attitude to your children, and they suffer the effects. And not only do they suffer the effects, but oftentimes they will step into and begin to, 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 to multiply or carry on the very activity that they hate. Children from a divorced home. Statistics show that they're more likely to get divorced. I'm not judging or placing anything heavy on you. This is just reality. Right? You ever make a promise that uh, I, I'm never going to be like blank, mom or dad, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm a little more like dad than I thought, right? There are things that I never remember eating food in my dad's car. Everything had to be pristine. If anything was messed up, he went crazy. He was overly picky and, 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 and just every critical about everything. And guess who is just like that? My wife. No, I am. I am just like it. Things drive me crazy. It's like my kids have a Dairy Queen in the back. I'm like, Mick, they got to shake. Is the lid on? You got the lid on? Don't take the straw out. Don't take, what are you putting in when you're done? It's constant, right? So, so we've all said, I'm never going to be like blank. But sometimes the dysfunction of, of, of those in our lives, they fall on us. I mean, we probably all said, I will never do that. And yet, with time and gentle manipulation, we're not even sure how it happened. Suddenly, we find ourselves doing the very activity we hate. Why? Because we're in a fallen world. 
Sometimes it's my sin and I suffer the effects of it. Okay, I got that. But sometimes it's the sin of others. And it's passed on. And not only do I have to deal with it, but sometimes I begin to engage in the very activity that I hate. We're picked off by the past, repeating the same behavior. Now, listen, I'm not saying it has to be like this, right? Right? You may beat the odds, but for many, possibly most, we do not get out of our past unscathed. Remember our assumptions. We all have a past. There are portions of our past that are painful, and not all of our past remains in the past. It likes to sneak around and come into the future. Now, the Bible speaks about this topic quite accurately. In Exodus 34, it says this. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who, give, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity, the sin, of the fathers on the children and the grandchildren and to the third and fourth generations. Look, 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 look. Scripture's just speaking into the reality that we already know. We already understand this, that my mistakes, my sin, my fallen nature always affects more than just me. It affects those who are closest than me. And in this case, those who are closest are my children, right? Could be, uh, uh, it could be in anyone that is close to you in life. And so notice that passage says, visiting the iniquity. The idea is that a deposit... That, that, that we're making a deposit into them, not a good deposit. That our iniquity, our dysfunction, we're actually depositing into our children who very well could, could engage, go back a slide, who very well could engage in the very activity that they hated growing up, but they may just find themselves engaging in the same activity at some point, and they will make a deposit into their children, and this kind of just, just continues Visiting the iniquity, the sin, the mishaps, the dysfunction upon the children. Now, if this passage, go back to our passage, if this passage makes you angry, because I get it, some of you are like, well, you know, it's stuff like this that, that, that has, has, has kept me you know, out of church. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like how it feels and, and, and all that goes with it. I, I, I get it, right? We, we, we struggle with that. But Scripture is just highlighting what we already know, that dysfunction is passed on. But let, let, me, let, me, let me draw your attention, for those of you that this passage makes you angry, let me draw your attention to the first part of that passage. Go to that next slide, will you? See, th this, the first part of this passage is saying, here's who God is to you, and here's the identity that God wants to establish in you, that, that our God is compassionate, and he is gracious, and he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in loving kindness and truth, and he keeps loving kindness for thousands, and he forgives iniquity and, and transgression and sin. This is his preferred future for you, right? This is his leading step. His leading step forward is always compassion, is always mercy, always love, always forgiveness, always kindness. But if you distance yourself from it, Scripture is just telling us what we already know. That when life falls apart and we go with the flow, and the flow don't know, right? If we just go with the flow and life begins to unravel, you will not be the only one who suffers the consequences for that dysfunction it will be passed on to those people you love and those who are closest to you. And so what really, there's kind of an invitation here of saying, hey, hey, why don't you find your identity in the first part and avoid the hassles of the second part, right? Let's, let's not just focus on the negative. Let's focus on the positive of God's invitation 
to us to experience all that he is. So what do we do about it? Let's say you're here, I'm here, and we're suffering the effects of someone else's sin passed on to us. Maybe we're even repeating some of the same patterns. Let's talk about identity reclamation, reclaiming our identity. Here's the thought. Reclaiming our identity happens through processing the past and forging a preferred future. Reclaiming our God-given identity happens through processing the past and forging a preferred future. We're going to take these two. We're going to break them down. This idea of processing the past. Now we're going to read a passage from the Apostle Paul, Paul Influential, uh, about much of our theology today, wrote a good majority of the New Testament. Paul grew up in an overly legalistic uh, religious system. His form of Judaism uh, said that God expects perfection from all the laws of the Old Testament and he expects perfection for all the uh, rabbinic traditions as well that you had to meet all of these if God was going to embrace you. That's a heavy weight to live under. Yet, in Paul's kind of biography to the church of uh, Philippi, to the letter of the Philippians, he actually says, you know what, yeah, that was a lot of weight to live under, but guess what? I excelled at it. He said, I was exceptional at what I was and what I was about. He, he lived under this weight, but he said, I said, I excelled beyond my peers. Now, if that was enough, Paul also had a past, and that Paul killed a man, and not just a man, but he killed a saint, right? Saint Stephen, right? Now, to be fair, he didn't pull the trigger or throw the stone, but he was kind of the mob boss that ordered the hit. And so Paul's trying to clean up the mess left from Jesus and this new religion, this new faith, and Paul's trying to kill all of the Christians to kind of to, to, to get this message to be buried and finally move away from this Christianity thing. And so he orders a hit on Stephen, and Stephen is killed. And this is Paul's life, right? He's trying to extinguish the Christian movement. And so later in life, Paul had an experience with Jesus, and to his surprise, the supernatural experience, to his surprise, uh, Uh, He becomes a follower of Christ and he brings his same zeal and same passion into the Christian faith and he kind of like turns the thing upside down with all that he's written and all and as influential as he was. And so Paul, who was legalistic, driven, had a sinful past, notice what he says about his past. And we're going to break this down, right? Because it's not as simple as you think. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what, lies behind, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. A couple things I want to draw your attention to. First, notice the destination is still ahead of him. In other words, Paul's saying, look, I want you to know right up front, I have not made it yet. I've not looked in the mirror and looked at myself and said, I'm okay. Right? There's still a lot of work to do. God's still sanding off the rough edges. There's, there, there's still things in me. Notice his transparency. He's saying, I'm not where I need to be emotionally, spiritually, mentally. There are things in me still hanging around, memory triggers at random times. I've, I've not made it to the point where I want to be. I'm still a work in progress. This is good news for all of us. I mean, this is Paul after all. And Paul, that rhymes. This is Paul, and Paul says, look, I'm not where I need to be. Understand that yet. I've yet to capture it. I've yet to lay hold of it. It's out there. I'm moving closer to it. I'm getting closer to it, but I've not arrived yet. Now, notice what he says next, right? Destination's still ahead of me, and I'm forgetting the past. Now, 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 let me tell you what this does not mean. 
it does not mean that you ignore your past, which is what most of us do. We have this attitude to say, well, the past is the past, and I just leave the past in the past, said with the person with the facial tics and self-medicating to go to sleep. The past is the past, and I leave it in the past. This is not what Scripture is telling us. It's not, hey, just forget about it and pretend it doesn't exist. This is not about denial. This is not an excuse to not deal with or ignore our past. If you read Paul's letter to the Philippians, he's, it's kind of a biography at, at times. And he's, he's saying, look, this is what I used to be like. This is what I was. This is who I was. I fully understand it. I've learned from it. I kind of had to forgive myself for some things. And now I'm moving on and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going forward. But he doesn't just say, I just don't think about it. You realize that's, that's not healthy. If your way of dealing with the past, especially things that were done to you and now they've landed upon you and you got to deal with them, and if you're repeating the same, uh, the same process, and your, your response to that is, I, 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 I just don't think about the past, you will not become healthy on your own. It just doesn't work that way because the past always wants to step into the present and rob us of our future. And so there's a process here that we must deal, we must deal with our past. Recognize it, process it, get counseling for it if needed, forgive it, you know, and eventually we can begin to forget it. Now the idea is is to lose it out of mind is what Paul is saying that after I've dealt with it the idea is that I'm losing that which has had a stranglehold on me. I'm I'm putting distance between me and that which has been killing me. So, if you don't get anything from today, I want you to get this. Before you can forget the past, you first need to process the past. And so let's just not pretend like the past doesn't exist or you will never move past it. I will never move past it. Now, intentionally processing the past doesn't happen naturally. Okay, and so let's start with this. Ask yourself this question. How long do I plan on dragging the angst from my past into the future? How long will I allow that to happen? Is it going to be another month, another year, another marriage, another relationship, another job, another church? How long will I allow the angst from my past to continue to drag that into my future? And so we have, to, we have to process the past. And then once you process the past, you, we, we can begin to deal with it. Here, let me, give you this. let me give you this illustration. Hopefully this is ready. If not, we'll just, uh, we'll punt. We'll see. All right, th- th- this is kind of what this looks like. Eh, not too bad. It could have been better. All right, so this jar of water uh, is going to represent uh, our, our, our soul. Our soul is our emotion, our thinking, uh, everything uh, in life, our, our thoughts, our heart, our mind, all, all of that it go, goes into who we are. And, and, and I, I wish this was a little clearer, but we'll, 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 get, we'll get to it. Um, and the soul kind of represents, uh, the water kind of represents our soul, and it's, it's, it's a little murky. It's not perfect, right? It's, I mean, I, if I had to, I, I could drink it. You can still kind of see my, my hand through it, right? And so, uh, and so it, it kind of it represents our, our, our soul, slightly murky, as, as most of our souls are. The problem is, is that deep in the bottom that, that you may not be able to see is sediment. And the sediment are all the things that we've picked up in life. Now, as long as no one moves your soul, 
is no, as long as no one stirs your soul, as long as nothing bad happens in life and you're charmed and everything is going your way and there's no tension, you can live with this, right? It's all right. I, but I hate to break this to you, but that's not life. The whisk of life will eventually come into your soul. I don't know what your whisk is, but you have a whisk. And what happens is when the whisk comes, it, it begins to stir up all the sediment. I'm not going to go any further because I need that to kind of resettle for next service. But well, I'm going to take that on like chocolate milk. That one's dead, right? All that sediment that has been, that's in you, that's in me, that I picked up throughout a lifetime of both my sins and other people's sins resting on me, and it's kind of settled in the bottom, and I think I'm okay, but then all of a sudden life gets stirred up, and I'm like, I'm out of control. It's because possibly we've never dealt with that sediment that lies on the bottom, and life is a whisk, right? There's always something that can stir this. And if your solution is, well, I just will let it settle, I'm sorry. That season of life left when you left the gates of Disneyland at three years old, right? It doesn't, it doesn't happen anymore. And so the jar gets, gets stirred. All that stuff that's been buried and that we try not to deal with and forget. And what most of us do at this point, what most of us do at this point is we just say, I just need a little time. And with time, the sediment is just going to fall back to the bottom. So all I need is a little bit of time. Time heals all things, right? We tell ourselves, I need time away. I need a little vacation, or I need a staycation. Or maybe I need a new vocation. Or I may need a migration to a new destination. That's what I need. Or I need some isolation, or I need a new sensation. Or I need a bouquet of carnations, or I need to party with a Croatian. I don't know. I threw those last minute. I don't know. But right, you got something... That was weird. You got something in here, right? You think, if I could just have some time and some distance, and if I could just kind of, then this will settle, and I'll be okay. But it's never really going to settle because there's always a whisk coming behind the last one. That is what life is. And so our solution has to be that we need to begin to process, process, right? If we don't, then we will just live with anger, sadness, anxiety, depression, discouragement, disappointment, frustration, all of those things, all of those things that keep getting stirred, low self-esteem, uh, uh, poor self-image, uh, uh, lost identity, because it's continuing to get stirred. So what do we do? We're going to have to get our hands dirty. Look, look at this passage, Proverbs twenty twenty-five. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but he who has insight draws them out. Deep waters, meaning there's stuff here in, 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 in the bottom. In other words, it's saying, but the one who has insight, the one that's willing to do the work is the one that can start to move past their past and then lose their past. But that means, I'm going to have to get my hands back, but you're going to, like, all right, well, let, let's, let's start. Say, oh, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. This one's been affecting me for a long time, right? Right. Oh, this one, that one's not too bad. I, I could deal with that one pretty quick, right? I, 
couple podcasts. I can, I can, I can, I can beat that one. Oh yeah, yeah. This one, this one's really rough. Hey, look, a tooth, right? I don't know whatever you find in 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 your thing. But but the idea is is that you're gonna you're gonna start to to pull up that which is in the deep waters of your life, and you're gonna start to to process them. And I don't know what that processing means for you. For some of you, it may be as simple as getting some books. For some of you, it may be podcasts. For some of you, it may mean professional counseling. But my encouragement is, is that we begin to deal with the sediment or the process will just continue. And we will be picked off by the past and we will never gain our identity that God is trying to deposit in us. And so once we deal with the sediment, once it's dealt with, then what, 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 what do we do next? Well, that second part of our saying, we can forge a preferred future. Go to that next slide, I think. We can forge a preferred future. Forgetting what lies behind, okay, but then notice what he says, straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize. Is there one more after that? No? Okay, we'll leave it at that. So I, I, I strain, so I'm never wrong. All right, I strain toward... <laughs> There's a little pride in that sediment down here. I'll just, there, there it is. I'll, I'll deal with it. Why did I get my hand wet again? I'm just making things harder. All right. So thank you, Mike. Uh, uh, so now that I've dealt with it, now I can start to forge my preferred future, right? The future God wants for me, the future of the me that I want to be, and I can begin to move forward. And, but, but it's not going to happen if I just ignore my past. That's just the reality of it. If you're going to reclaim your identity, we're going to have to start to deal with those things in the past that have robbed us of our identity. Let me leave this one thought with you. Last slide there. Reclaiming our identity happens through processing the past and forging a preferred future. I don't want you to do any of this alone. If you're a follower of Christ, you need to invite the Holy Spirit into that space. Right? He's your biggest, your greatest source of strength and wisdom in all of this. Right? And so I don't want you to do it alone. I want to invite the Holy Spirit into that space in the past. Allow him to start to, to clean things out. Allow him to start to dredge through some of that stuff with you that you will begin to move out of that and then forge your preferred future. Do you get it? But it's going to take work. But that's what life is. We either put in the work now or we suffer through it. And so my hope is, is that we put in the work, process the past, and then forge our preferred future. Stand with me as we pray. Oh, dear Lord, I got to do all this again. All right. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good thing. All right, church, let's, uh, let's pray. Holy Spirit, um, I, I'm hoping and trusting that you have been moving as, as I spoke today and, uh, you know, through some of the laughter and the silliness, there's, there's a really important message and that is um, receiving some healing uh, from some of our past, and especially those things that we were not um, at fault with, those things that were placed upon us, and those things that have been very hurtful and painful, and uh, that we're suffering the results of someone else's dysfunction. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would first that. I'm pray specifically, I just kind of got this picture, this is my mind's eye, of just kind of like a, a spark of light uh, in, in, in you. And it was just the Holy Spirit kind of illuminating hope 
and just th- that it was just kind of like it hit you very suddenly, like, like it doesn't have to be like this forever. And, and it's just the Holy Spirit telling you, now, now's the time. Now's the time for us to begin to deal with this. And I'll be with you and walk with you and, and process these things uh, this with you. But it's time to step into your identity. But before you can do that, we're going to have to process some of those things that are keeping you from who I want you to be. And so, uh, Lord, I pray that we would receive that. I pray specifically for the person that just kind of felt that within them, just kind of that, that, that fresh breath, that, that just that fresh wind of saying, yeah, that now's the time. And so I pray for them to step into that. I pray for all of us that we would do the work that is needed and that you uh, would position us. And that work, it, it's constant, but um, that's part of our transformation. That's part of the work you're doing within us. And so I pray that upon us. I pray that we would not just allow time to allow the sediment to fall, but we begin to deal with those things. And so release us from here as we... Uh, continue to go about that journey to reclaim our God-given identity and who you've created us to be and who you are creating us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Reveal, I'm glad that you're here today. Come back next week. I'll be here Sunday. I'll be preaching next week. Uh, If you're a guest, I'd love to meet you. If you want prayer, we'll have some people pray for you. God bless.